Amen. Let's just pause and pray together, please. Father, we're just thankful, so thankful for Jesus and the story and the message of the gospel that we have been able to sing about this morning. Thankful that Jesus showed that love that you have told us in your word, that greater love hath no man than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us even while we were your enemies, and he died for us. We thank you for it. Help us to be motivated today and convicted today to live for you. Your son died for us so that we could live for you. Help us to see clearly what that means today, that we can do that as we deny our flesh and die to it and walk in the Spirit. May we be encouraged and challenged today in this great theme, and may you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we continue our series asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. We've just finished looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to see today that those who are filled or controlled by the Spirit deny the flesh. They deny the flesh. I just want to offer you a thought this morning that believers must develop a radical intolerance of all that is contrary to the character and nature of God because tolerance of these things is costly. Now, I want to show you some pictures uh, as we look at that, how many of you know what, what that is? Anybody know what that is? Right? You say, no, it's a pumpkin, right? Yeah, it's a pumpkin. It's, it's what's called a pie pumpkin. You ever heard of a pie pumpkin? They're a little smaller, really, than, than most pumpkins. They're a smaller variety. And uh, something has happened over the course of the last year that I never thought would happen, uh, that this city boy would actually know something about farming. Okay, it actually happened. It's a miracle. And uh, I, I have the honor and privilege weekly, really is highlight of my week, to be able to develop relationships with people who work on one of our local farms. And uh, many, many times it's early in the morning, around 6 a.m., and just having a presence and being available to pray with them, talk with them. And, and it's just a really cool thing that, that God has allowed me to do. Well, part of being on the farm, you learn things, you hear things, you see things that you've never known before. And this is, this is an example. Um, you could probably see a couple of uh, things that are wrong with, this partic- with these particular pumpkins, right? Obviously, the one to your, on your left, uh, that was caused from the field, and it looks like there's some decay on there too, Right? And then you see just a little bit, right, on the one on the right, just a little bit there, that white color there. It has some problems on the stem. Maybe you can make that out on the stem there, on the right part of the stem. Those are issues. When you take a pumpkin like that and you put it in a cardboard box without a lot of ventilation, what do you think happens? It spreads, doesn't it? Because that cardboard box is like an incubator, right? So it spreads, and uh, it can contaminate a box. If you take a, a box of produce like this and 
Uh, you sit it on a dock. It might wait a day for the truck to come pick it up. Well, the truck gets there. It gets loaded. And then maybe it's on its way to Florida. That happens. It gets shipped all the way to Florida. It takes quite a while to get to Florida, doesn't it? And then who knows how long it's going to sit on another dock once it gets to Florida and then on to the customer who buys it. And by that time, any contamination is going to spread inside of that box. Well, here's another variety. How many recognize this? These are called mini white pumpkins. They are lovingly referred to as baby boos. Okay, that's what they call those, baby boos. White pumpkins. And you can see on the left some decay. There's some decay on uh, those particular mini white pumpkins. And the one on the right isn't looking so white, is it? A little discolored. That means it has some problems. And uh, again, not something you want to put in a cardboard box, right? Because it's going to spread throughout that box. Now, the sad thing is, all of these pumpkins that you've seen this morning, the white ones and the orange ones, were all put in a box. And it spread throughout that box. In fact, uh, what's sad is these are actually what we call rejection pictures. These were pictures that were taken by the customer, sent to the person who originally bought it from the farm, and then sent to the farm. Here's a rejection notice, right? And you get the pictures. And then you want to know, okay, what all was rejected? Well, in these cases, sadly, two entire truckloads of produce were rejected because the percentage was too high of decay. So can I just share with you, hopefully you'll allow me to indulge this morning and just share the pie pumpkins. Let's go back to that one. Just to give you an idea, we're talking about now the cost of tolerating junk and stuff that shouldn't be tolerated in the squash world and pumpkin world. These sell for $11 a box, okay? And there might be, I don't know, 12 to 15, depending on their size, in a box. So $11 a box, that's over $600 a pallet because there's 56 boxes on a pallet of pie pumpkins. You see where I'm going with this. If you buy an entire truckload, you're going to get 20 pallets of this stuff, okay? So you better have a lot of customers. Well, that's $12,320 for a semi-truckload of pie pumpkins. The entire truckload was rejected. Now, depending on where it goes, you're going to pay four dollars to $6,000 right now for the truck to take a truckload to wherever it's going. If it's Florida, it's probably going to be on the high side of that. And guess who gets socked with that bill when a rejection happens? The farm. The farm does. And they have to pay for the freight for the customer who already paid out the money, but it got rejected, so they're not going to be out anything. The grower assumes all that cost because some decay was tolerated in the boxes. And you could go to the other variety. I won't give you all the details on this, but... This is a little more expensive. This is over $15,000 for a truckload and the same cost for freight because some decay wasn't caught and wasn't taken out of the boxes, enough of it to reject an entire load. The point I want you to get this morning as we begin is that we must develop a radical intolerance of all that is contrary to the character and nature of God 
because tolerance is costly. Even the least little bit. You go back here and you see the little, just a little bit on the pumpkin on the right. Could cause great damage, and it did in this particular load. Just a little bit, just a little bit. Tolerance is costly. It's costly in the agricultural world, but it's also costly in the spiritual world as we're walking with Jesus. The radical intolerance that I'm talking about, the scripture uses some very strong terminology to talk to us about what we should be doing with sin in our life. I've said this to you already in this series, but I want to say it again. And someone said it before me, but they said, we need to be killing sin or sin will be killing us. That's the radical intolerance that I'm talking about. We can't tolerate it. We have to kill it. We have to take every step that we possibly can to keep it out of our hearts, to keep it out of our minds, to keep it out of our lives. And at the first sign that our devotion and our desire has crept away from and turned away from God, we need to deal with that before it becomes any worse. Had these pumpkins been found and seen and pulled out, the farm would have made almost $30,000 in these two loads. Instead, it's out over 40000 when you count it in the freight. And the same is true in our lives. The longer we allow something to stay that we know isn't right, the harder it is to get it out and probably the more costly it's going to be when we finally get around to doing it. Those who tolerate life-dominating sins in themselves, who have a spouse, especially men, who don't deal with sin in their lives, we've seen it in ministry, sadly. Those things can actually end in a marriage being destroyed and broken up. But if those sins are taken care of in, a, in an efficient way, you see the point. Often that terrible end is avoided and forgiveness and restoration can be experienced more easily. So I want to talk to you for the few moments that we have today on this topic of denying the flesh. And I think there's some things in Scripture that we want to look at first of all. There is what I would call today the fact that we need to accept a warning in Scripture. We need to take seriously the words of Scripture about this matter and receive a warning. The warning that we find in Galatians 5. It says there that envy and drunkenness and carousing and anything similar, I tell you about these things in advance as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't live this way. And if your life is characterized by these things continually, then that is a sign that you're not walking with Jesus and you probably most likely don't even know Jesus. 2 Corinthians tells us, as we've already been reminded of this morning, that these old things are gone and new things have come, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That new creation does not look like the old creature that was dead in its sin. There is a marked difference and change in the life of someone who accepts Jesus and puts their trust in him. doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us here are perfect. Not even the one who's been walking with Jesus the longest and who's the most spiritually mature. 
We're not perfect this morning. But that life, even though it's imperfect, is still marked by the righteousness of Jesus, and it, it looks different than the former life. So accept the warning. But how about applying the warning? We need to do that today as we look through Scripture. We need to apply these things and take them seriously. Galatians 5.24 talks about the application of it. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There is that radical intolerance that I spoke of earlier. We're supposed to kill it. It's supposed to be dead. We are supposed to be dead to the desires of our flesh that are contrary to the character and nature of God. And we need to make sure that as we are living, that we literally starve this thing to death in our lives. That's how we accomplish this. We put up guardrails in our life according to who we are and what appeals to us in our flesh. And we keep ourselves from feeding the flesh at all. We just starve it to death. And anytime we feel as though the flesh is getting stronger because we have made sinful choices and decisions to feed it, we have to cut off the food source and starve it. It could be done in a variety of different ways involving all of our senses, but we must have self-control as we've talked about in the fruit of the Spirit. Apply the warning. So I want us to think about today specific areas where we need to apply this warning. Not to indulge in these things as believers and putting these things to death in our lives. What needs to be killed today? What is it? What are you allowing to, to be nurtured and fed in your life that is inconsistent with the character and nature of God? Don't tolerate it. Take the warning. That is costly. Don't pay that price. You don't have to. The second and final question that we want to answer today is how do we walk in the Spirit and deny the flesh? So I want to walk through some very practical things this morning. And I want to point you to Jesus and the Holy Spirit to know and experience these things. And the first step, the very first step of walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, being under the Spirit's control, we would say, is to be born of the Spirit, to actually experience what we often call the new birth. It's, it's called being born again, if you will. The new birth experience that Jesus talks about in John chapter 3. Now we understand John 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he says, Jesus answered, the scripture says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water, which I believe is physical birth, and the spirit, which is spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Born of the spirit. Jesus goes on in this passage to verse 16, probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. And he says there, for God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and unique son, that whoever believes in him will not perish or die eternally or die spiritually, but will have everlasting or eternal life. If you want to walk in the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit, 
and evidence the fruit of the Spirit that we've already talked about in this series by denying the flesh. None of us have a hope of doing that unless we have truly been born again. We've truly come to Jesus in saving faith, putting our faith in Him, not just believing He exists. The demons go that far. But actually putting faith in Him and His work on the cross. We sang about His shed blood today. That blood that paid the price of our sin and provides us with an opportunity to be saved. Putting our faith in Jesus for salvation from our sins. That's where regeneration, the new birth, and being born again come from. And if you haven't taken that step and put your faith in Jesus for salvation from sin, we would love the opportunity to answer your questions and talk to you today so that you can know Jesus as well. But to walk in the Spirit, you have to be born of the Spirit. Why? Because the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit does a couple of things he does more than two, but we're going to highlight two today. The first one is that the Holy Spirit is involved in our regeneration, that new life that we have. He regenerates us in this process, and that's why we need him in order to deny the flesh and walk in the Spirit. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, he saved us, speaking of God through Jesus, not by works of righteousness that we had done. Nothing we can do on this earth that would be considered to be good can give us the salvation. We can't do it. It's not by being baptized or by joining a church or by taking communion or by just doing good in this life. None of that counts for this. It's not according to the works that we have done, but according to his mercy. He withheld from us the judgment that we deserved and he gave us through grace what we didn't deserve. Through the washing of regeneration, where does that come from? The renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved in our conversion and new birth. He's the regenerating and renewing agent. He poured out this Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus ascended to the Father. Jesus asked the Father to send us another comforter just like him who would live inside of us and we receive the Holy Spirit as a result. And that Holy Spirit regenerates, renews us, and begins our journey with Jesus by his power and his strength. The other cool thing that happens in this process is that the Holy Spirit is involved in sealing or preserving or keeping us. Ephesians 1.13, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That speaks of security, that when we put our faith in Jesus, we trust in him, we believe the gospel of our salvation, that message of truth, and we believe in Jesus for that salvation, the Holy Spirit seals us. We are secure. We are safe. Is there anyone or anything that can break that seal? Does anybody know of anything that can break that seal? Absolutely not. The Holy Spirit, as we've already pointed out to you in our study, He is God. He is co-eternal, co-existent, and co-equal with the Father. He is God. 
which means he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And that's the one who lives in us and seals us and keeps us secure and safe. We can never be unsealed. We can never lose our security and our preservation in Jesus so that once we have believed, we are saved from our sins, never to return to the place of having to be responsible for the penalty of our sin. That's all been taken care of. Our eternal life can never be jeopardized because it is guaranteed by the promised Holy Spirit. So, we have that, which means we now can walk in the Spirit, denying the flesh and being controlled by the Spirit. There are some practical things that help us along the way after we're born of the Spirit. One of those is our prayer life. We must maintain a robust prayer life. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we've got to be fellowshipping with God. We've got to be walking with God and maintaining a relationship by communicating with Him. We know this already. He came to His disciples, Jesus, and found them sleeping, and He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray. Why did He tell Him to pray? So that you won't enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. How many times have we been there? We kind of live there in that tension, don't we? It's a tension that the Apostle Paul talked about. I know the things that I should do. I want to do those things, but far too often I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do and that I know I shouldn't do. And he lives in that tension, that fight, that war, and he has to kill sin in his life in order to have victory over it. Even in Ephesians chapter 6, we'll look at this verse in a moment, in that context of the armor of God and fighting spiritual warfare as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, we're told to pray. How about the reminder in 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray constantly. Another translation says pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why are we supposed to pray all the time? Because we need prayer all the time. We're in a battle against our flesh, the world system, the, the devil himself. We need to be praying. If we don't pray, we don't have a chance of denying the flesh. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How many discouraged Christians have become easy prey for Satan's temptations? A lot. And how do we overcome that? Being such vulnerable prey to Satan. Our prayer life helps us overcome. The scripture tells us that. Psalm 116, verse 2. Because he has turned his ear to me, I will call out to him as long as I live. Prayer is one of those ministries and spiritual disciplines that many can maintain even when suffering physically. Our bodies sometimes keep us from doing everything that we want to do. Well, don't demean prayer. It is one of the most valuable acts of service that you can do, even if you're prohibited from doing all that you would like to do because your body just won't allow you. Don't forget about the great service of prayer. 
And don't forget that you're in a war. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Pray at all times in the Spirit, according to the Spirit, according to the desires and will of the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, with every prayer and request, and stay alert in this, that with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Why? Well, the preceding verses in that chapter, as already stated, remind us of the battle and the war that we are in as soldiers of Jesus Christ. Truly, prayer is completely indispensable to the believer in his journey if he wants to deny the flesh. Next of all, we must know and apply the word. You want to deny the flesh and walk in the spirit? You need to know what that means. 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's how it's done. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul was instructing Timothy how he could be a good leader in the church. And he says, the only way, Timothy, that you're going to do this and be faithful is to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. Don't compromise it. Don't forget about it. Don't neglect it. Be in it. Allow it to completely uh, monopolize your life, what you're thinking, what you're saying, what you desire, and how you live as a result. All should be under the sovereignty of Scripture. Know and apply the word. Finally, let me give you this. Guard yourself from giving in to the flesh. And this is where we all battle every day. We are living out our lives. We're going through a particular day. We, We bump into something or something bumps into us. And immediately we have a decision to make whether we're going to walk in the spirit or deny the flesh and have victory. And Romans chapter 13 reminds us, let's begin in verse 11. Besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. Now, go back up to this list of things that it says that we need to to avoid, right? Anything that's indecent, uh, carousing and drunkenness and sexual impurity and promiscuity or quarreling and jealousy. Those things are all things that involve a process, aren't they? You don't just wake up one day and, and, and have full-blown uh, one of these sins in your life. It doesn't happen that way. These things are processes which all begin with a thought in your mind, an ungodly, unbiblical desire that you want to fulfill. And instead of looking to Jesus for satisfaction, you go looking to other things. And before too long, you have developed a life-dominating sin in your life. And then what? Well, then you find yourself in, in a terrible situation in one of these areas that is truly characteristic of the flesh. How do you avoid that? Well, verse 14 has the answer. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Decide that you are going to live like Jesus. Study who Jesus is and how he lived and how he conducted himself and the mindset that he had about life and ministry. Find out all of that stuff and decide that's the way you're going to live. And then be practical about it. Make sure that you don't have any plans to satisfy fleshly desires. Anything contrary to the character and nature of God. Another translation says, make no provision for the flesh. In other words, be smart about it. Know yourself and know yourself well. Know what your triggers are. Know what causes you to have a desire to go against God and to walk in the flesh instead of the Spirit. And then make sure that you've built into your life mechanisms, safety points that keep you from indulging and sinning. Any number of things can be done here. And accountability is huge. That you would hold yourself accountable, but that you would also invite someone else into your life that is trustworthy who is also walking with Jesus to help hold you accountable too. And then just taking practical steps, no matter what the sin is or temptation is that easily snares you, what is it that would keep you from doing that? What are the things that you need in your life so that there's nothing in your life that nurtures that sin, but instead kills it? And there's not some magical list that I can give you. You're going to have to assess your own life today and look at what your own temptations are and figure out what's going to keep you from sinning and then put it into practice. This doesn't happen accidentally. It has to be deliberate and intentional. If we will employ simple principles yet often difficult into our lives, we can deny the flesh. We can. And don't forget, we have to develop this radical intolerance of all that is contrary to the character and nature of God because tolerance is costly. Let's pray together. Father, help us to heed the warning today. Help us to to be honest and to accept the warning, but also help us to apply it for your glory.